Today on the show, we have Becca Grimo. She's a former Duke basketball player, but not just any basketball player. Leads the school in all-time three-point field goals made, fifth all-time in scoring, and that was drafted in the WNBA. Now that career was cut short due to an injury, but that led to all these other things, and we discussed that, of course. These other things to where she is now, currently working at the NBPA, which is the NBA's Player Association. She also comes from a unique, unique perspective. We're always talking marketing, player branding. Well, she's been a, a, an elite player, and now working with these NBA guys, sees all the opportunities that they could be taking advantage of. So that's what we dig into. We discuss how her journey as a Duke player brought her to where she is today, and all of the tools your sport can help teach you. Thank you for listening. Boom, live. Becca, what is up? What's going on? Welcome into the Business of BS podcast. Hey, Tim, did you see this this Iron Horse podcast? Yeah, it's disrespectful, man. I feel like you're uh, uh, so it's that actually That podcast is a, a buddy of mine from college, and he got the shirt. Yeah. Well, well and you've two, never two met things. him. Have you ever met him? No. So uh, is he retired, Brandon Carr? Yeah. Okay, just retired. Longtime NFL, NFL player. Uh, he's, he's the guy that Tim knows. I don't think I ever met him. I've only went to visit you like once or twice at Grand Valley State, so I don't know. But I, but what I did, I he asked they asked a question. I answered the question, got a T-shirt. Thank you very much. Anyhow, Becca, tell us uh, just to start here. Just tell us a little bit about a quick background, uh, Duke player, and then what you're at, what you're doing now currently. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, name's Becca Greenwell. Originally from Kentucky. I went to Duke University, played basketball there, um, was there for five years. Well, you, you, didn't, you didn't just play basketball. Okay. I didn't you, just you're a pretty play. good player. I was okay. Um, I was pretty good. Um, played there for five years, ended up being the all-time leading three-point shooter. Um, so that's like my one claim to fame. Me and JJ Reddick hold that, hold that record. He beat me by like probably 300 threes, but yeah. still in the same category as him is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, played there, loved it. Um, the experience was incredible. It was always my dream to play college basketball and Duke was always a dream school for me. So to go there was amazing. Um, ended up getting a fifth year because I redshirted my freshman year. So I also got to go to the business school and get a, a master's in management which was awesome. And I've definitely used that degree um, so much since I've been out of Duke. Um, so after I graduated, I got drafted to play in the WNBA, another lifelong dream of mine. Um, but unfortunately, the injury bug hit me. Um, it started early, actually. I've had six knee surgeries, one back surgery. So I pretty much anything you could possibly experience like injury wise. Yeah. has happened to me <laughs> I'm like literally on my last leg yeah. uh, with injuries um, so anyways wasn't able to play um, right away the plan was to you know get healthy have a surgery rehab for a year and then go play um, for the Washington Mystics that next year didn't go as planned um, you know anytime you make a plan something usually gets thrown in the way and you have to adapt <laughs> and figure something else out. So that's exactly what I did. Um, and so while I was rehabbing, I didn't want to just focus 100% on rehab. I wanted to try to get outside experience and, you know, focus on life after the court. Um, so I did a few different internships. Uh, first, I went to Chicago 
right after I graduated and worked for a sports marketing company called Intersport. They do a lot of big events. Um, if you've ever seen the College Home Run Derby, they put on that. They put on uh, College Three Point and Slam contests uh, at the Final Four every year. Yeah. I was actually a participant in it the year prior, and that's how I met everybody. Um, uh, there you go. So did some networking and then they brought me on board as an intern that next summer, which was pretty cool. Um, so did that. Then from there, I went to Atlanta and worked for the Atlanta Hawks in basketball development. So got some front office experience. I uh, tried that for a little bit, which also I loved. Um, I went back to Duke for a little bit to keep rehabbing. And while I was there, I worked in the men's and women's basketball office and also did some broadcasting. Um, oh, cool. I didn't know that, that. Yeah, it was pretty, it was a lot of fun. Um, it's kind of one of those things that, you know, people always tell you you should try, but I'm naturally more introverted than extroverted. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to try it. And then finally I was like, okay, I'll get, a, I'll give it a spin. And then ended up loving it. It was super fun. Got to travel with the team all season. Um, great experience. And then from there, um, Long story and funny story how I got here, but I'm now working at the MBPA, uh, which is the National Basketball Players Association in New York. Um, so I was just telling you guys, I was I started in January, was there for a month, and then COVID hit, and I hit the road, and I've been working remote ever since. Um, right. But that's kind of the the big story, but a lot of small steps to get to each one of those destinations, um, and we can dive more into them, but. I've had a lot of great experiences in the sport industry and it's given me a unique perspective on everything athlete related and branding and marketing. Mm -hmm. um, so I can see it from a lot of different angles. So that's why I was excited to talk with you guys today. Yeah. And that's obviously why we, you know, we've been talking in DMS and whatnot. So I said, let's come on and talk, obviously talk about this kind of stuff, but what, what are you 25, 26, 25. Yep. Okay. You're young for, to have all that experience that you've yeah. already had. That's, and, and even just from that, from a college athlete perspective, if you were just a regular Duke student, that wouldn't have happened. You wouldn't no. have had all those connections and those networking abilities. And that's why I always, even, even you know, I, I was never going to be good enough to play it at the next level football-wise. I played it, both of us played Division One football at Bowling Green. But looking back, the one thing I regret is not doing a better job of networking and utilizing some of those those uh, relationships that I had back then, even just from like coaches, two of my coaches were NFL coaches last year. Uh, there's been a ton of urban Meyer was my coach, my freshman year. If you follow college football at all, you know, national champion coach, there's been maybe seven other head football coaches in college, which is just crazy from this little school. And I have a relationship with like zero of them. I'm, I'm trying to think I, a couple I'm thinking of one guy right now I could I could send an email to and it wouldn't be that weird but that's one thing I wish I would have done a great job and I think a lot of athletes should be doing a better job of and understanding that now like what what they have just from a networking perspective let alone all this other stuff that we'll get into later right absolutely it doesn't just because I went to Duke that definitely helped but literally for any athlete if you reach out to someone and say, you know, I just graduated. I played four years of football, basketball, soccer, whatever it is that already sets you apart mm -hmm. from the majority of candidates and people yeah. want to help athletes. So literally every job experience I've had up to this point, basketball has helped me, ha has helped put my resume at the top of the stack. 
And it's all those networking um, experiences that led to each one. The sports marketing one, I literally was a participant and I knew my career was about to end like pretty quickly. So I was like, I'm going to talk to every single person here and try to figure out what I can finesse out of this situation. Same thing with the Hawks, same thing with the MBPA. So athletes have this unique platform and you, you need to make the most of it because once it's over, it's over. Did you, did you strategically um, kind of go out and network with like the Hawks or whatever and you knew, or you knew someone or did they kind of just fall on your plate because of X, Y, Z? Yeah. So the Hawks was an interesting one. Um, so I was, I was at Duke, I was still rehabbing and I was ready for a change of scenery. I was having a lot of issues with my knee and I was like, I have to get out of Durham. I need to try something new. And so my family lived in Atlanta and I was like, I'm just going to go to Atlanta and continue to rehab, but I need to find a job at the same time. And obviously sports industry is where I wanted to be. And I always wanted to work for an NBA team. Atlanta was an NBA team uh, close by. So I was like, who could possibly help me finesse this situation? Ended up Grant Hill is a um, part part owner of the Atlanta Hawks. Amazing Duke alumni, obviously. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm just gonna go out on a whim shoot him a cold email and see what happens like had no expectations whatsoever of him getting back to me or helping in any way and surprisingly literally like two days later he emailed me back and was like Becca like I, also in the email I was like you probably don't know who I am but this is what I played at Duke like yeah. I'm looking to break into the industry XYZ and he's like Becca I know who you are like I watched you all four years, I love the way you represented Duke and the brand. Like, if there's a way I can help, I'll try to help. And I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> so literally just a shot in the dark, but it goes back to branding and how you carry yourself. Like, I had no idea that Grant Hill knew who I was or knew who I existed. But because of the Duke brand yeah. and the way I carried myself throughout college, you never know who's watching. So just – from those small steps that ended up leading to a much bigger opportunity. So that's, that's so true. That. And not even like, you know, obviously he watches Duke a little bit closer than most, but like it might even, somebody might've just seen like a stat or a highlight. Now it's so easy to see that with, you know, social media and everything else that they might've yeah. just seen that. And then like, then they associate that and then like, Oh yeah. And let's have that conversation as like, it's easier with Grant. And actually, Pat, I don't know if you know this, but I've actually reached out to Grant Hill too in our in our past business. I remember that. Yeah, we had a conversation. Apparently, he's really good at responding to emails too, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Yeah, and and some people are, some people aren't. But you'd be amazed. And most people would be amazed at, at how easy it is to get a hold of some people. Like, right. you know, the the people that we've talked to uh, for business ventures or or connections or whatever, and just shot a cold email and got. Mark Cuban, Tim's talked to you, and it's like, just I'm gonna email Mark Cuban. Bam, you get a response, and you're like, oh, okay, this is a thing. The exactly. the amount of people I've DM'd on Instagram or Twitter, and and now we've worked with or had business conversations with just on cold DMs, and you're like, oh, this person has three million followers. They'll never they'll never see it, and if they do, they're not gonna respond. And then you yeah. do, and they do. I mean, you just have to shoot your shot. That's something like I've always been passionate about. Just well, you're a shooter. What what yeah. do you <laughs> what do you have to lose at least put yourself out there and the worst thing they can say is no um so yeah I think a lot of athletes and people in general just see something as being so 
um, out of reach, but really it's just one DM or one email away. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's something we found. We, I mean, I don't know if I would have known that 10 years ago, but, but now that we're deep in it and that's what we're doing constantly, we're, we're doing that cold emails, cold info, and just, all right, let's try this. And we're getting responses and setting up meetings and working with these people now too. Do you, so now like transitioning to your role now with the MBPA, what are you doing on, on like a daily basis? Uh, and, and what's the outline of like what, what you do personally? Yeah. Um, so first my way of getting to the MBPA is another interesting story. I think it's worth okay. sharing. There's a good lesson that'll come out, come out of it for anyone listening. Um, but anyways, when I was with the Hawks, um, I was still trying to rehab, get back to playing, um, ended up finding a doctor out of New York to fix my knee issue I was having. So had the surgery out there. When I had the surgery, if there was a way, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah. you, you kind of broke up a little bit, but you're good. Yeah. Screen there. I was thinking the whole time, if there's a way I can find a job out here and rehab with this group that would set me up for success and help me get back to the court. So each time I would go to New York, I would try to network, try to set up coffee meetings with people and try to see what I could uh, make happen. And so one day I was in New York and I had a buddy who's a skills trainer post on his Instagram story. And he's like, Hey, I'm in New York, need some help training. Like who's around. And I literally was like doing nothing. I was like, I'm just going to respond. And like, if you need my help rebounding, I'll help him out. Cause I was literally just killing time waiting for a doctor's appointment or something. So he responds, he's like, awesome, meet me at the MBPA. I'm like, okay, sounds good. I don't know what the MBPA is, but I'll show up. <laughs> I really didn't know what it was uh, prior to showing up for that first time. Um, anyways, I show up, I get on the elevator, JJ Reddick hops on the elevator. And I'm like, where am I? Why is JJ Reddick on this elevator? So I go up and then if you've ever did, been- Did you know him? Have you, have you met with him? He, Cause he's a handful of years older, right? He's older. He, like 30-ish? Yeah, he's probably 30. I know of him, but okay. we don't know each other personally. Um, so anyway, show up. If you haven't been to the MBPA offices, you need to go. It's a basketball oasis in the middle of Manhattan. Really, really cool. Um, so I ended up rebounding for one of my friends who's an NBA trainer for a couple NBA guys. And I showed up every week helped rebound and pass. And like, while I'm there, there's players on the other end of the court getting workouts in. And I'm like, what is this place? How can I get here? This is the best place ever. Um, so I ended up doing some research and found out they had a grassroots basketball department, which was what I was doing for the Hawks. Um, set up some informational interviews. And then a couple months later, they reached out and said they had an internship. Um, one thing led to the next, and then I got to New York. So it was just crazy how like that DM is what yeah. led everything. So power of social media, like it's, it's really crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, what I do now, um, I work in grassroots basketball and business development for think 450, which is the for-profit marketing of the MBPA. Um, so think 450 overall, um, we basically just try to connect brands, to players and try to help players maximize their revenue off the court. Um, so just try to think of new business opportunities for players um, aside from what they are getting from their own um, 
uh, agents. So we represent the players um, as a whole. So we control their group licensing, which is guys, three or more guys. Um, we control all of those deals, but then also smaller deals with our programs that we're doing. Um, in my department specifically, since it's grassroots, typically we're doing, when there's not a pandemic, we're doing camps, clinics, in-person training. And so we'll get players to be a part of those events. And obviously we'll pay them to be a part of those events. Um, it's a good check of money and it's great to get guys involved in youth basketball for where it all started. Um, now, since the pandemic hit, our business model has changed a little bit. So now we're doing a lot of virtual um, programming. So we partnered with a couple of virtual training apps, um, which has been really interesting. But same thing, we're getting players involved. Um, so we do that. And then also just business development in general, trying to think of different brand partnerships and content opportunities for players. Basically anything to help make the money outside of playing the game. Um, so it's super important, um, you know, for players and we can talk about it at the high school level, college, MBA, no matter what level you're at, your brand is going to help you get these opportunities because when we're looking for guys to get involved, um, in these paid opportunities, you know, we're looking at first thing, their social media, you know, how are they as a person off the court? Do they engage with fans? Well, are they personal? Do they have a big personality? All those things play a part. And they stand out to sponsors, they stand out to kids, um, and there's just so many opportunities that can come from just the way you carry yourself off the floor. No doubt. Yeah, that's crazy. So are, are you working with, um, you know, I mean, I guess like, you know, people think like NBA, they don't need any money. They're, you know, they're making gobs of money in their NBA. Like, how, how does that whole process work? Are they hitting you up on a regular basis? Are you working with agents? Are agents hitting you up saying, what, what should we do? Or are they... Or do you have like, you know, a monthly sit down with them and you say, all right, who needs help? Who wants to expand? Or like, how, what's the flow, like the workflow process working with them? Right. Um, so again, I'm new. I just started in January. Um, but what I can say is it's a little bit of all the above. So obviously players, NBA players make tons of money, but still, you know, there's guys who don't play as much who one, their career might be one year long or two years long. They might get injured. Yep. Those are the guys who are more open. Um, to off-court opportunities, but it's mainly us reaching out to players. So we have a player engagement team um, that handles most of that. We have the freedom and flexibility to do that too. If we have personal relationships with players and, you know, we launched a virtual training app called the MBPA Training Ground. So a lot of that we're trying to recruit um, NBA players to be a part of it. All they have to do is create, you know, three to five training videos of them, you know, doing a hesitation crossover and then we'll send that out to kids to replicate and train but so basically we'll go to our player engagement team tell them what the ask is and then then they'll reach out to a group of guys who they think would be interested and then it goes from there so it's either the player engagement team going directly to the player or they'll go to their agent it basically just depends on you know what the dynamic is um what their relationship is is with the player um, but it's a little bit of everything there's not one set way of doing things and that's what I've learned quickly um, you know I have some relationships with some of the Duke guys in the NBA so my boss gives me free reign hey if you know RJ if you or you if you know Zion like reach out like we'd love for them to be a part of our program so it's mainly um, 
it's mainly us reaching out to the guys. But, you know, there's some players who are at the very top. I mean, I'm not going to name any names, but some guys don't necessarily need that extra money or it's not worth their time. But then there's other players who, you know, an extra 10K could, could help out and go a long way. So it's sure. a little bit of a yeah, sure. Yeah, when you're, window, when you're, I mean, relatively small window for yeah. any athlete, you know, whether you play one year or 10 years, it's still a small window in your life. Right. And a lot of the, the opportunities aren't a heavy lift. You know, it could be like one social post or it could be create two training videos. Like for, uh, for me and I'm sure for us, like we're like, it's a no brainer. Why would you not want to do something so light lift with such a high payback for it? But for the top guys in the NBA who are making, you know, hundreds, millions of dollars, it's not worth their time. But for others, it definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. But, and it's such a, like we've talked, it's such, what, however long they play, if it's a year, three years, five, what's the average an NBA player plays? It's got to be like two years, three years, maybe. It, it's definitely not five, seven years. So, you've got a small window, even if it is seven years, at some point you're done. And, and unless you're LeBron Zion types, you're going to need to at some point have some sort of income because you spend a bunch. So creating these other opportunities, creating uh, like for us, when we're talking creating content, it's like basic stuff like create a vlog or start creating these other personality driven things. There's, there's so many like Matisse Tybel is absolutely killing it with his vlog. Now he's filming it and editing it. That's, that's not low lift. He's spending time doing that, but there's so many opportunities that don't have to take all that much time to do too. Yeah, absolutely. And for the guys and girls actually who make the vlogs, that is setting them up for these other opportunities that we're doing at the MBPA. So like yeah. Matisse Tybel, that's who you mentioned. That's one player who wasn't, you know, probably not at the top of most sponsors list when they come to us with the target list of guys. But now, because he created that vlog and his followers are so high and his engagement is so high, now he's starting to be one of those guys that, you know, companies are coming back to us and like, we want him mm-hmm. as our guy to be part of. It. So all those small things really add up and, you know, not just for the men, but especially for the women. Um, no doubt. Women, those small things really go a long way. And we were talking on a recent podcast too uh, with Jenny Fisher is that the, the great thing about when you're working with, we, we, she was talking specifically about women athletes in college and women's basketball players is they're, they're the whole package because yeah, they're good basketball players and that helps. But uh, generally speaking, they're, they're going to be good people. They're going to be good teammates. They're going to be do well in the classroom and they're going to have all these other great assets into them. And same thing when you go to the WNBA, there's all these super marketable things about all the athletes in there, most of the athletes in there. But it's, again, it's, it's show us those things. Still, even we could name, I could probably name every WNBA and every NBA player creating a vlog. And, and vlogs aren't everything, but we love, that's a, yeah. that, to me, that's my favorite. It's, it's easy to do personality driven wise. It's, you don't have to act or be some certain way. You just video what's going on, have somebody else edit it for you. But like it, in the NBA, it's Matisse, it's uh, Troy JaVale. Daniels, who JaVale McGee, uh, Troy Brown, I've seen WNBA, it's Ariel Powers, Lexi Brown, um, Bella. Allery, Bella Allery. Uh, Allery. Bella Allery, yes. 
I don't know anybody else. Mo Billings. That's another one. But that's it. That's yeah. in less than two hands. We counted everyone in the, both leagues who are doing something like that. We'd love to see more people doing that. Like you said, like it, in, in Matisse's case, it's already creating opportunities. And this has been like a month of, of creating, maybe right. six weeks. And it's hard just from an athlete perspective. I see both sides. Now that I'm out, I'm like, why aren't more people doing that? Like, it's going to lead to so much opportunity in the future. But when you're an yeah. athlete and you're in that bubble, for lack of a better term, and that, that's all you're doing 24-7 is playing, that's what you're focused on, I can see how an athlete is like, oh, it's not important. Like, that doesn't matter right yeah. now. Millions of dollars playing basketball. But for someone like me who's been through so many injuries and my career got cut short, like, that is what drives me crazy when I see these athletes with so much just, like, at the palm of their hands – but they just don't take those necessary steps to really capitalize on it. Um, Lexi yeah. Brown, you mentioned her. I played with her at Duke. She's a good friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember even when we were co in college, she was always into her vlogs, like always doing on her social media. And I would always be like, why are you like putting so much time and effort into this? She's like, trust me, like this is going to be mm -hmm. big. I'm like, okay, like whatever. Uh -huh. I see her in the WNBA and she's killing it on her vlogs. Like, her social media presence is great and I'm like okay like I totally see what you're saying and wish I would have listened <laughs> and wish more people would start doing it now have you seen and from your something. end like uh, any like specific examples of um, you know maybe someone who started a blog and before they might have been worth 25,000 a brand might have came in and said okay we want to pay that athlete 25,000 but now because of the blog the vlogs and the growing of social cool. just in like the bubble time frame do you see anyone coming back and saying, okay, now we'll pay them 50 grand or anything? Any examples like that? Um, nothing specific, like as of late, but I know there are players who have like different levels of payment. Um, and it, it's a, for a number of different factors. It's not always just because, you know, they're better on the court. A lot of it has to do with their social, um, with their online presence, with their personalities. Like if you're more charismatic, that's going to put you at a higher level. And it's crazy like what that scale looks like, but it's all those small, you know, intangibles that really do make a difference when it comes from a sponsorship opportunity and branding opportunity. I was talking to a, a guy actually last night and texting with him this morning and he's, he, he's a current college player and he'll probably get drafted next year. He will get drafted next year if he leaves early and he probably will. And I said, even just from that standpoint, like start creating a vlog or a podcast. And I don't know that he's a podcast type. It takes a little bit more to be able to do something like that and, and, you know, guide someone else through a conversation. But even just, I said, just start a blog. And he was like, well, I don't even know where to start with something like that. And I said, you could probably just tweet out, Hey, I want to start a blog. You think I should do it one. And then anybody want to help me do it. And you probably get five people who do it for free who want to start creating. And, you know, it might not be the best work, but it's other students on campus that just want to be there and create, be a part of what you're doing. And that starts it from there. And then maybe once you, you do have money, you can pay that person next level type stuff in six, eight yeah. months when he's drafted. In college, it's a perfect time to start something like that because, I mean, when you're in college, those are the four most marketable years of your life and everyone wants to help you. And you're, the whole community and the whole university is really just rooting for you and wants to make you successful. Um, so it's, it, that is the time to start. Whenever I was in college, and again, I always had dreams of, of playing pro and I had a whole plan for this, but I started a blog probably my freshman or sophomore year 
RSID just reached out and was like, hey, ESPNW wants to do like this behind the scenes type blog. Would you be interested in writing for it? So I said yes, of course, and then ended up doing it all four years and kind of just showed this behind the scenes um, writing and, and blogs into an athlete's life and did it after I graduated. And like the plan going forward, if I was to play in the WNBA, I was going to write about my experiences. I wanted to write about what life was like overseas. Obviously, that changed. But for players who are still active and playing, like, people want to know. I mean, they obviously care how you're doing on the court, but for whatever reason, like people want to know what you're doing off the court. They want to know what life is like in the bubble. What kind of food are you eating? Like, what is your daily schedule? What's it like to live in a foreign country and play overseas basketball? Like those are all very intriguing stories. Um, And again, I mean, in my opinion, I don't think it's a heavy lift. I think it's fun to write about your experiences, but not every athlete feels like that. Yeah. And, and not every athlete's going to be good at writing either, but at least document it. You're already doing videos and stuff. You can showcase it that way. I, I also, I'm, I'm sort of surprised. You don't see a lot of, because obviously playing overseas is not an NBA thing. You don't, you don't have to go and then make money um, overseas. This is a WNBA specific thing. But looking, and I was specifically looking at it like a couple months ago, April maybe, April March, April, before the, the season, I think was going to start with the WNBA, like May 15th or something was report date or before all this craziness. And I'm looking at a handful of WNBA players and, and some of them were playing overseas, did not even say, hey, I'm in Turkey or I'm in wherever I'm playing, like not even a single static post of being there. Right. And I don't know if it was like a, a thing where they just didn't want to have to say like, hey, I have to go over there or, uh, or just didn't want to showcase it or whatever. But, and I was like, what? why are they not doing more with this This is a really cool experience right yeah it's I know a lot of like close personal friends that don't show what they're doing and I'm like and I'm over here like wishing I could do that so bad but I'm not able to physically and I'm like being in a foreign country overseas is not casual like there's so many cool things like that's an incredible experience like you should document every aspect of that or at least a portion of it just to give, you know, viewers an inside look. And again, that'll lead to so much. You're going to get you know, more fans, more followers, more opportunities, um, more endorsement deals. Um, yeah. But it's crazy. Yeah. Even now, like with like the COVID protocols and being in the bubble, the bubble, all these things that people don't have access to is like prime, like content really right now. There's, I don't yeah. know if you guys saw either it was yesterday or, this morning, I don't know, the Broncos have this like hand sanitizer spray when they walk out. Oh, yeah. You guys see that? That alone, yeah. it was like a 10 second clip and it had like a million views. Just like things like that because people are like, what's going on? What, what are these athletes going through right now? People are desperate for content. Yeah. Yeah. The bubble, I are doing a great job. But still, I mean, the bubble, there's so much I want to know. There's so much everyone wants to know. I mean, even the handles, NBA bubble life. Like that blew up. Like there's so much mm-hmm, content mm-hmm. shared and people are just dying to have access to it. And, and we'll continue to, you know, it's just only going to grow followers as we move on here. I saw, speaking of just nothing, 12 second clips, it was NBA bubble life had tweeted out. It was from uh, Matisse's. I think it was from his actual YouTube channel. Cause he was videoing it. And I forget, I forget the other guy, but it was just a guy and he had a better looking plate of food. 
the Matisse hat. And he's like, where'd you get that? And he goes, uh, today I'm playing for I'm playing for Orlando and Atlanta or whatever the other team was. And he went and stole food from wherever their setup was and grabbed their food and went and sat at his table. <laughs> and it was same thing, like a, a gazillion views. And it was just a funny peek into what's going on. You know, you've got you they've got this college atmosphere. You you'll never have this again in the NBA or WNBA where they're all together, all the teams, they're away from a lot of distractions. Some people have family members and whatnot, but for the most part, it's just the teammates and the staff, and that's it. And you're getting all these cool, different looks behind the scenes that we'll never, we've never seen and we'll never see again. And it's been cool to see. I wish we could see a lot more people doing it, though. I know. It's unprecedented times, like you said. I mean, it's never going to happen again. Yeah. It's, it's a moment in history. And there's people like us sitting, home, sitting at home just want to know, like, what's the food like? Like, what's the pool yeah. situation? Is it weird to see other, you know, NBA players and teammates and competitors walking in the hallways? Like those are all the small little details that really stand out to, you know, folks at home. And that's what we want to see. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I didn't think, even think about it when until a couple of guys were saying right at the, the first couple of games, you're like, this is like the AAU tournament. We got all the best guys and girls watching the other best guys and girls playing in, in one gym and there's not a lot of fans. Right. And the other thing is you're either at practice or you're in a game, like, what are you doing those other 23 hours of the day? And like, can you like, just give us an inside look? We want to know. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And that's, but that, that, that I meant to say something when you were talking about this earlier, when you're, Hey, I just want to focus on my sport and do my thing. And I totally get that. But we also know there's hours in a day where they're playing video games or they're BSing and, we're, and they, they don't have time for this outside the, off the court, outside the sport type stuff but you do and all these other opportunities that come from this could be could be so massive so when you say you're right you got an hour let's say two hours let's even say you you got to do recovery for another hour there's three hours let's say you got a film session for an hour there's four hours like what are you doing the other 10 hours you're up and awake and moving there's there's time to be able to do stuff if you really want to do it right and and jj reddick actually we talked about him earlier he's one athlete that is doing a great job at it. I don't know if you saw, but he just, he's been doing his podcast, um, but now he's growing and expanding that business um, to create a media company. So, I mean, there's definitely players doing it. Um, yeah. And I'm sure there's more, obviously we're not there. We don't know everything, but I'm sure there's more, um, you know, players working on off court um, activities too, but just from yeah, as far yeah. as content perspective goes, I definitely wish there was more. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and go back to uh, uh, the average NBA career is four and a half years. Four and a half. Yeah, this was a handful of years ago, so I don't know if it's changed, but four and a half, mm. roughly. That seems really long. Well, you got people like LeBron, who's been there like seventeen years. You got, Cole, yeah. you know, those people who extend out that career. Think how crazy that is, LeBron. So LeBron is between us in age. He's like two. And weeks we younger. haven't played. Yeah. yeah, he's two weeks younger than you. That's wild. I just wanted to make. Oh yeah, so he's younger. Even do that. <laughs> yeah right, and he's been playing for that long. That's so crazy. Uh, who, who would you say are some of your favorite athletes who are content create content creators who are athletes? You can't say Matisse, can't say Lexi. Ooh. Who are some of your favorites out there? And it could just be like silly whatever stuff, or it could be just fashion. Or I saw uh, I'll let you think of this, or let you uh, think about this as I talk about this one. It was um, let me see if I have the details here. I'm looking on my Twitter, but it, this was earlier today. I saw. It was official. 
PJ Tucker, uh, I don't have the numbers, but PJ Tucker and eBay officially partnered. And, and it all just stemmed from PJ Tucker's a sneakerhead and buys a bunch of sneakers on eBay. They found out about it, liked it, struck up an actual deal, and now he's getting paid to buy sneakers, which he already would be doing anyhow. I just, like that's, that's the type of stuff I just love that you can only get in sports. Like it doesn't happen other places like that. On that note, I saw something on Instagram. Someone in the W wanted nothing but cakes. Did you guys see that? Yeah, um, I think it was Kalia Copper, maybe. Yeah, just things like that. Like she literally tweeted nothing but cakes and was see. like, hey, can you hook us up? And they responded and they're sending nothing but cakes yeah. to everyone in the WNBA down uh -huh. the wall. I'm like, that's crazy. Well, she's, uh, she's on our, our, she's on our team, the Chicago sky, me and Tim's team. But so, but so I, I follow her and I saw that and I like that. But my thought on that is she could have definitely created something more and gotten paid for that. So nothing but kinks, nothing bunt cakes got tons of PR. I think that I know the Chicago sky was tweeting about it. She was tweeting about it. Lots of other players were tweeting about it and on Instagram, I say Twitter, but and on Instagram. And I believe the WNBA either said something or liked it or whatever it was, but they're getting all this free, presumably free pub where she could have probably created something and, and made money off of this and then done all this. Yeah. That's like a one-off, like one-time perk, but I, I definitely agree yeah. with you. There are more opportunities to make it more long-term and beneficial. Yeah. yeah. And it, it was, it was cool. I mean, like sometimes you just got to do that kind of thing too. But like, just like a good PR or funny thing is what she, she was really just like, Hey, I want some of these. Where can I find them? I miss them in the, in the wobble. And that was like right. the genesis of it. And they reached out and, you know, it looked like there was hundreds of these on the tables for all the players. So it was, it ended up being cute and cool, but. Go ahead. Um, no, I was going to say, I have an answer for you for my content creator. Okay. Favorite right now is Asia Wilson. I think she's okay. so funny. She's super personable. Have you followed her? Do you follow her on social? I'm sure. About yeah, to yeah, I do. Yeah, follow her I, on I, What? See, what I love about her is, is uh, hold on, her WNBA T podcast. Yeah, that's, that's I think example. she's the only one. Nafisa Collier. Well, it's her, her and Nafisa Collier, yeah. But I think that's the only podcast in the Wubble, at least the only one I've seen. Are there other ones that you've seen? That's the only one I've seen. Okay. So, but. and I, I, I did not listen. I followed WNBAT, uh, seeing that they were doing it, but I haven't listened to the first episode, which was a couple of days ago. And I think the second one's coming out, but it, they were just talking about like, I think the first episode was the, the or the, the thing they posted was like top five players uh, projections for this year or something like that. Right. And it was just, you know, the, I'll look it up. WNBAT, but it was just such a simple topic. They sat down probably after a game. They ha they have a, a nice setup. I saw they had quality microphones and stuff, just from from some like an Instagram story. But you don't need to have that. You could just do it on here or or here on Zoom with a laptop. It was top five watch list with A and B. Yeah, you're a simple topic. You're living with each other already. Your yeah. friends. You're probably going to have these conversations regardless. Just record it put it out there and then more things will come after that. Yep. Yep. 
What do you have? So, so you mentioned, like, so grassroots, obviously, in any industry is kind of, especially when you're talking about camps and clinics and stuff, it's kind of been thrown through a tornado right now. What are you guys doing outside of like the virtual, um, you know, training type of aspect from a can or from an app standpoint? What else have you guys put in the docket? Because I mean, technically, you probably don't know, right? Because they're in season now, and then there's a short intermission, basically, and then they jump back into another season. What do you have like for next spring, early next year? What? Do, how far out are you planning? Yeah, um, so great question. So, like I said, we launched a virtual training app. Uh, we partnered with a, a sports um, training and mentorship platform called platform called Famer, and launched a channel called the MBPA Training Ground. Um, so it features just NBA players, and now we're expanding expanding to feature WNBA players as well, which is a great opportunity for W players to get a little extra side cash. Um, but anyway, so that is going to be our long form strategy going forward. That can last forever. I mean, it's a great platform. And right now it's free um, and you'll get workouts sent like three days a week. We have around like a thousand kids signed up right now. Um, but we're going to start launching to a paid model coming soon in about a month or so. And through the paid model, we'll be able to give one-on-one -on -one feedback, uh, personalized coaching. Um, so it really sets it apart. So, you know, it's an amazing opportunity for kids to get feedback from say you know Aaron Gordon or Andre Drummond from NBA player I mean that is a pretty incredible opportunity so that's one thing that we're going to use going forward and continue to develop it and expand it and make it something bigger um, than just training so right now it's training but we're trying to expand it into yoga um, you know mental health we want to add a nutrition component to try to just make it a holistic training um, platform for the MBPA and members and WMBPA members going forward. Um, so that's one thing that I think has a lot of traction going forward. Um, another, we partnered with a company called Bology, which is um, it's kind of like a shot tracking app. Um, so different than just training. It's more of like a, a fun way of training. So what we did there is we're doing, it's called a five shot challenge. So basically we'll get an NBA player to hit five different shots. We'll post it on the app and then kids will sign up and try to match those same shots. And then they'll have the chance to win prizes. Um, so that's a different level of engagement. And then going forward, we're doing a virtual camp um, at the end of August, which will be pretty cool. First virtual camp uh, the NBPA has ever done. So that's kind of like a test. We're going to see how that goes. Um, I don't know if y'all have paid attention to the grassroots space, but everything virtual um, yep. is happening. No public or live events right, events right now. So we really had to adapt and pivot. Um, so we're doing those three things from a training standpoint. Um, as far as like digital and engagement goes, that's one area we've had to pivot as well. So back to the blog um, that I did in high school and college. I helped start um, the first ever MBPA blog, which has been really cool. You guys got to check it out. Um, but well, there, it's just, it's just a way to engage with our, our database. And so we talk about, you know, training tips for youth athletes. Um, we highlight different things we're doing in the virtual space. We highlight our union members, um, just different articles and resources for youth athletes and parents to stay engaged. 
Um, so we're doing that and really upped our email communications and our newsletters and just trying to do as much as we can um, from a digital communication space to, to stay relevant and stay active and continue to highlight our members. That's cool. Makes sense. Yeah. So what, we, what time is it? We got, we got a few minutes here. We've been like 45 minutes. We try to keep it an hour-ish, under an hour. But I want to talk, obviously, about college basketball or college sports, period, and the whole name, image, likeness stuff. Everything that, that we do and everything that you basically help work on now and stuff that we talk about behind the scenes is all about off the court or off the field or whatever your sport is type stuff. And I think it's such a massive opportunity that's opening up. And hopefully – We'll see the the blogs, the vlogs, the the real true content because it, what we see when we look at most pro, but our, almost every college athlete is the same type of content when you look at their social media. It's post uh, or video or picture of them playing in a game, video picture of them practicing, video or picture of them with the fam, video picture of them looking good and whatever they feel they look good in, rinse repeat, and that's like the the general athlete posting content so we're trying to shift that mindset to like let's start building a brand and stand out in a space where you're very similar to lots of people right no a hundred percent and you know i think this term gets overused but it's so true it's storytelling you have to have that ability to tell stories that are different from the rest and you said it i was definitely um one of those people who all i posted was me playing or me practicing or me with my family um, but now with NIL, there's so much more opportunity to capitalize and maximize that experience while you're in college. So you really have to go above and beyond to be different, really take fans, you know, inside the life of a student athlete and your life specifically. Because um, that's the more personable you can be as an athlete, the more you're going to appeal to different brands and fans. So whatever you can do to show that, um, that's going to help set you up and be successful for life after basketball. Yeah, no doubt. And it's well, any, any sport, of course, too. But, but for us, it's, it's teaching them that and, and showing personality and not just, uh, not just posting for your teammates or to get girls or guys or whatever you're trying to do at 19, 20 years old. Like teaching them that they have this business this business right here with themselves, what they do and thinking holistically and not just as an Instagram post or a tweet or whatever they, they do. Yeah. You want to be a holistic person, obviously not just an athlete, but you want to appeal to the masses. I can't tell you how many times we've had an opportunity and we're going through different athletes, social medias, and some people go to the top and some people were like, eh, I don't know if that's the demographic we want to go to because of the way you represent yourself. So the more you can be, obviously be true to yourself, but you want to be, you know, as personable um, and as approachable as you possibly can, because that's what brands want. That's who brands want to represent their companies. Um, and that's, that's going to lead to a lot of different opportunities, um, especially for college athletes. Yeah. yeah and, I, and to me, like, I don't care if you're, if you're Dennis Rodman, like most people are not going to tell you, and from a branding standpoint, hey, be this type of person. But if that's true to you and what you are, go be that. And he's been super successful because of that, because of what he did that was a little bit different. Right. Be be true to you. Don't don't fake it. But also, you should have guidelines 
um, because like you said, it is a business. So be true to you, yeah. but also, you know, try to keep it clean, try to just be, you know, as presentable as you possibly can um, and represent yourself in the best way possible. Because again, you never know who's watching. You never know what opportunities are just around the corner. Yeah. That's what we, yeah. we've, we've come on that conversation a couple of times with it where it's yes, be true. Yes. Post what you want, but you have to remember if you want sponsorship or potential future sponsorship or know that brands want to align with certain people. So if you want to maybe kick back a little bit, knowing that you want to get a, a sponsorship deal or whatever it might be. So yeah. you know, true. Part partnerships the word we like to use of course yeah. but but also knowing yeah knowing that like all right hey we, we understand if this is something you're passionate about go ahead and speak on it but speak about it in a in a way that's not like f these people or f this thing have a a concise and well thought out comment before you just get on twitter and i'm like f this shit you know like think about it before you do it um to some capacity with, with anything you post, a strategy and a yeah. filter uh, behind everything. Yeah, super important. I hope, I hope that, um, like even so we, we talked to somebody the other day and you know, part of the conversation was about like what may, maybe don't post or do post about certain things. And, and, if, and if you don't feel super strongly about it, just back off and don't, don't get involved in the conversation. But, but also when you do feel strong, get out on top of it. Think about, think about what you want to say and actually say it in an intelligent way and not just get up there and, and get in trouble for something you don't, you might regret in a week. A hundred percent. Don't jump into something you're not a hundred percent confident in, or you may not know a lot about because that could also backfire um, and, and lead to, to worse things. Yeah. And we've seen that happen a lot lately with people oh, yeah. who are get up yeah well i think uh where we have 50 minutes let's let's cut you down we'll get you back to work here uh we appreciate your time uh why don't you stick around here for one second i'm gonna i'm gonna get us off the live get us off recording thank you for listening goodbye